I'm Bob Whitaker. Welcome to History Respond. Today's episode considers Heaven's Vault, the latest game from developer Inkle Studios. Heaven's Vault follows the story of an archaeologist named Aaliyah and her robot Six as they attempt to uncover the mysterious history of a distant nebula. The game incorporates several elements of archaeology, including site discovery and excavation, as well as the deciphering and translation of an ancient language, which not only reveals the history of the nebula, but also determines the player's path through the narrative. With me to discuss this game is Andrew Reinhardt. Andrew is a Digital Heritage PhD at the University of York, and he is the author of a book on video game archaeology called Archaeogaming, an introduction to archaeology in and of video games. In 2014, Andrew led the team of archaeologists who excavated the Atari burial ground in Alamogordo, New Mexico. Andrew, welcome to the show. Well, thanks, Bob, for having me. Andrew, the developers describe Heaven's Vault as a narrative archaeological science fiction adventure game. Uh, quite a mouthful. <laughs> yeah. And I won't ask you to analyze the narrative or the science fiction in this game, but I am interested to hear what you make of the game's depiction of archaeology. Sure. Um, you, you know, I, I've been looking at games that have archaeology in them and also have archaeologists in them. And when I, f- I think the first 10 minutes into the game, Heaven's Vault, I was like, finally, <laughs> you know, <laughs> finally, you know, there's, there's, I, I couldn't believe it. There wasn't, there wasn't a single uh, trope used, you know, that you mm-hmm. see in these other games, you know? So, so, you know, there, there wasn't uh you know, the the archaeologist is dressed sensibly for the field. You know, she's got head covering. Um, you know, she's wearing sturdy pants. Uh, she's got boots. She's got a long sleeve shirt. She's ready for the sun, and and so you know that was quite the departure from you know fedora and you know whips and stuff. You know, there's you know there's no real weapons in the game. There's no real violence in the game that you see. You know, in archaeologically themed games or or, or archaeologists as characters. You know, when you're when you're out in the universe exploring um, and uncovering the mysteries of uh, of the nebula in which Heaven's Vault is set, there's no um, gosh, th- there's no magic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, there, there's no there's no there's no absolute evil. Um, nothing that you do like raises uh, you know monsters from the depths, you know, mm-hmm. or, or or any of that stuff. And it, there's no like, Nazis either. No, there, no. It's, it, that, I was like, God, <laughs> finally. And so so all of that stuff was just. A revelation, and and let me let me also say, and, and this is super important, is that you're not playing like a, a middle aged cisgendered white dude, um, mm-hmm. you know, out in the field. You're you're playing an archaeologist of color, and you know she's she's fantastic, and the and the game also passes the Bechdel test, you know. So there's a lot of 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 uh, you know your character talking to other women in the game, and you're not talking about guys or relationships and stuff. So I'm like, God, thank God. Uh, so it was just a breath of fresh air, not just from an archaeological perspective, but just from a gaming perspective. Yeah, and you know, in particular with video games, there's so much. You know, not just Indiana Jones, but then you think of Tomb Raider, you think of Uncharted. Um, all of these games, you know, take a very kind of um, crazy portrayal of archaeology and it, it was really refreshing to come across something that yeah. was so uh sedate and grounded no I, 
I, I, I agree with that. You know, you, I, don't get me wrong. I like playing Uncharted. I like playing, you know, all of the, you know, play the whole series there, play the whole, you know, series of, uh, of, of Tomb Raider games, you know, and they're really fun, but it's not archaeology. It's, it's basically mm-hmm. you know, action shooters uh, with some puzzles thrown in, you know, but, but uh, Alia isn't a super athlete, you know, there are occasionally type, times in the game in Heaven's Fault where she's like, I don't know if I can, you know, make this three foot jump or, or climb over this wall. And I'm like, man, this is awesome. You know, because it's like real. And, you know, you, you listen to developers, you know, talk about like entertainment and, and stuff. And, you know, they kind of use archaeology as a background for adventure stories. And yeah. you're still getting this in Heaven's Vault, but it's not like this over the top, you know, action stuff. And even though you're actually doing some real archaeology in here and you're asking real archaeological questions, it's it's not boring at all. <laughs> it's, it, it's thoroughly entertaining. It's a really engaging mystery, um, and you're using evidence, archaeological evidence, in order to uh, find answers to questions. So th- that was just that was the coolest. Yeah. Uh, so much of the game and the narrative revolves around learning and parsing an ancient language. Uh, the player goes into the game knowing very little about this language, and they use guesswork as well as contextual clues to develop translations. Uh, and this work requires a lot of backtracking and can often, especially for me, really prove frustrating. But what did you make of the translation mechanic in Heaven's Vault? Yeah, you know, um, I'd, I'd never seen anything quite like this in a game. And uh, I, I've been, uh, I've been in some of my own personal work, I've been doing um, you know, some ex- explorations with epigraphy. And then all of a sudden to find epigraphy, you know, which is really the, the study of inscriptions on objects, you know, all of a sudden here's a game that like lets you do epigraphy in, in real time in the field. I'm like, wow, this is kismet. Um, <laughs> and, and so, so, so with the inscriptions in heaven's vault, you know, they're all fragments and you'll see this all the time in regular um, you know, epigraphy and archeology span as well. It's never really a whole text. It's most of it, which is really frustrating. And then you kind of puzzle through it. Um, and so, you know, with, with the, the thing in heaven's vault though, is you're actually learning the language as you go. And it's a real mm-hmm. language, you know, they, the the uh, the developers created this script uh, which contains you know over a thousand you know characters or logograms ideograms and you know it's not Indo-European you know clearly mm-hmm. uh, and and uh, it, it put me more in mind of of you know like Chinese or something where you know, where you're kind of building information based on shapes and stuff and so you know you can start making assumptions based on how things appear and number and you know there are actually markings there you know for uh, you know just for you know, for all kinds of stuff, prepositions and whatnot. Yeah. Um, and, and as you go, you know, you're, you're, you're getting contextual clues, which kind of help you make, build the language. And sometimes you're wrong, but the game lets you be wrong until you come back later. And you're like, Oh, my translation was a little screwed up there. So, so let me go and fix it. And, you know, one of the other cool things is, is, is that you are not alone in this game. You know, you will go, you know, back to the library on the, your university planet yeah. and you'll talk to the librarian and he like helps you with stuff. And so he's like, Hmm, let's take a look at this text. And, and then he's like, well, that, <laughs> that, do you notice this little shape here? This means X. And, and then you're like, Oh yeah. And then you can fix your translation. And so I'm like, yeah. wow, this is, this is just like grad school. It's <laughs> a great advertisement for the library in general. Uh, oh my a God. place that most of my students never go into. Man, so the library is your friend and the librarian is your friend and can be a very good friend if you let them um but uh but uh, you can also introduce them to other people too which is cool but but uh, that's getting away from things uh, <laughs> yeah but still yeah use the library all the time make it a make it a frequent stop and you'll be rewarded 
Yeah. I really like how much uh, the character relies on local knowledge as well. You know, there's so many instances in which you come across objects that, you know, you take back with you and, you know, perhaps the librarian has never seen something like it, but you'll go to an area that is associated uh, with this object and kind of ask the people there and they'll know immediately, you know, what this is and, you know, what the significance of it is. And so it's really, like you said, it's kind of a team effort. You know, you are really relying on a whole host of other people and their knowledge. And it's not just you who is kind of amazingly deducing on your own uh, the (laughs) history of whatever object or, uh, you know, glyph you're looking at. Yeah, this 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 really uh, points to you know the way that archaeology is now. I think, especially you know with uh, all the social media that we have and all these connections that we're able to build, uh, and then you know uh, I've had friends in the field and they'll go and talk to you know locals. They'll 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 stop in at a at a bar or something and they'll chat somebody up and they'll they'll get a story you know about you know what's in the area and what's around. Um, you know, as, as, as part of, you know, the exploration of a new place. And so you're doing this kind of tavern archeology, span which is pretty cool. And then, you know, with early on in the game, um, you go to a moon that was colonized by your university planet and yes. they're not so happy to see you and they're kind of cagey about stuff. And so you really have to be careful, um, or you can be a jerk, you know, but, 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 uh, <laughs> yeah, I did play through as a nice person. The first time I played the second time I went through, I, I said, well, what is it? What kind of responses do jerks get? And they were real, you know, they don't want to share information with you. They don't want to tell you what's up. Um, and depending on your actions, you know, you'll, you'll either get help right away or, 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 you know, people will just clam up. And, and so it, it, you know, it's, you, you'll hear the, the phrase ethical core used throughout heaven's vault and, and the game mm-hmm. really does have an ethical core, especially when the archeology span is concerned. And so if you're, if you're into, um, you know, understanding how, uh, we're, if we're interested in de- decolonizing, you know, archaeology as a practice, this is a really good simulation about how to do it or how to do it wrong and then how to learn from your mistakes. Um, so right. that was awesome. Yeah, the game is very into uh, making you learn from your mistakes. I can't tell you how many times I've had to go back <laughs> to old translations where it's like, oh, clearly this isn't the word for uh, space or sky or anything like that. I have yeah. to you know, redo this translation with the help of other people. Uh, it's a really humbling game uh, in that sense. But I do love how smart it makes you feel uh, sometimes. You know, For instance, it really puts a heavy emphasis on contextual clues, right? So it's not just about where the inscription is, you know, what kind of object the inscription is on, uh, but then also where that object is within the wider area, like within your environment, right? So, you know, for instance, you go to places uh, that resemble a theater or they resemble a, um, you know, kind of a a religious site. And so you've got to use that context in order to do the translations, right? Well, you know, it's like, oh, obviously they wouldn't be talking about – you know, warfare or medicine in the context of this theater space, right? So come up with yeah. different words that could fit into this inscription. Yeah, the the, the context-driven translations were just amazing. And and you can actually rely on, you know, as, as you know, you can you can really rely on older translations that are correct to help inform interpretations of new words based on the object that the thing is on and where you find it and what social context and, and all of that stuff, um, you know, which is... You know, which is just terrific and actually also very real. And uh, one, one thing I just thought of is that, you know, some of these translations that you come up against are really long. And, and so, you know, you'll pick up something. And it's like, oh, there's something inscribed on the hilt of this. And, and then 
you know, it scrolls across your screen. You're like, what's going on? I can't do this. <laughs> and, and so you kind of calm down. And it reminded me like, like you know, of my language qualifying exams, you know, for my master's. Um, and the fact that you're given all this stuff, you're like, I can't do this. But if you calm down and you, and, and you start, you know, parsing out the words, uh, and parsing out the phrases, you'll you'll get there. But there are some occasions when Alia is like, "I can't do this. This is ridiculous." And so she'll take one stab at it, and she's like, "You know, eagle's claws. I'm out of here." <laughs> <laughs> and then and then you you have to go to the library to get some help. Yeah, yeah. Um, so turning to the narrative, uh, I'm going to avoid spoilers. Hopefully, we'll avoid yeah. spoilers here. Mm-hmm. Uh, but one thing that struck me as a bit odd was the fact that much of the archaeological work conducted by Leah relates to an empire that only collapsed in the game a few hundred years before the narrative starts. And as a historian, I often think of archaeology as something that relates to eras with little or no documentary evidence. Um, You know, in other words, eras several hundred years in the past. And I'm wondering how often do archaeologists consider recent eras of history like we see in Heaven's Vault. What is the usefulness, what is the utility in doing that kind of work? Yeah, it's, you know, this is, there, there, there's so many, pardon the pun, there's so many layers to this question. <laughs> um, and, and uh, you know, I can, I can speak to it a little bit, and I know that a lot of my colleagues will be able to do that maybe better than I can, but but uh, there are a couple of things at work here. You know, first of all, um, you know, I personally you know, started off as a classical archaeologist. I excavated mm-hmm. in Greece and in Italy, and you know, l- looking at things you know from the classical period, archaic period, and then orientalizing when it came to you know the Etruscan side I was at. And so, you know, you're dealing with that. But then, 20 years later, I'm dealing with digital archaeology and things that were created last month. Um, you know, like Heaven's Vault, for example. I'm taking a look at that in, in, in a really clear way. Um, you know, as an archaeologist, and and so, you know, you can have the past inform the future and whatnot, but it also reminds me a bit of, of uh, you know, I, I duck at the side of Isthmia, and you find this at Corinth as well in Greece, where the early archaeologists kind of blitz through all of this overburden that contained like medieval stuff and early Christian mm-hmm. stuff and, and you know, to get to what they consider to be the goodies. And I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, my God, they just blew all this stuff out and, and they're, it's gone. You know, we, we don't know what was there at all. And so, you know, that kind of pisses me off. But, but uh, you know, to get back to that one era that was really important. And so, you know, you wonder – you know, as, as Alia is, is, uh, talking with her supervisor, you know, as to whether or not this is kind of the same thing where we're, we're going back to the first days of the empire, but not before. And we're ignoring kind of this other stuff that came after. Um, but you're still picking that stuff up. I mean, the game has a really cool visual timeline, um, that allows you to see things in big time or deep time, uh, as well as things that happened five minutes ago. And, you know, that's really one of the, one of the great parts of the game. And, and, and so, you know, I don't, use it a lot, but then you can go in there and you're like, oh, wow, I learned all this. You know, after I played the game, I learned all of this history, which is amazing. And then looking at, uh, at the history of the nebula, you know, through, through Alia's perspective and everybody who lives there, there's no, there's no real memory of anything that might've come before. It's like, it it was all of us, it was the empire or nothing. And so like, what's going on here? And, and that's when you get into this kind of nationalism and this kind of politics and archaeology intertwining, um, which you see, you know, nowadays with what's happening with the alt right and, and their their kind of hijacking of history and archaeology for their own purposes, mm-hmm. they make it fit a narrative that supports what they're doing, um, which 
ignores a big part of the archaeological record um, or misinterprets it. And so, you know, there's lessons to be learned in Heaven's Vault about that as well. Um, so, you know, Alia, is, as a researcher, is is finding out that there's really more to the story than what she's been told in school. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, as you've alluded to, I mean, there's a tension in this game between two moon cities. Uh, the first is Iox, which is wealthy and the home of a major university. Uh, and the second is Elbereth, uh, which is poor, but really rich in history. And Alia straddles the line between these two moons. Uh, she's originally from Elbereth, uh, but she lives and works on Iox. And she feels a strong kinship to the people and places on Elbereth, but conducts work for the university on Iox. And a lot of that work involves retreating Elbereth or Elberethian-related artifacts for deposit in the University of Iox. And this sort of tension uh, between countries over archaeological finds and history is pretty common in the modern world. And I'm wondering what you made of this struggle as depicted in Heaven's Vault. Yeah, this um, this this whole issue of, of of colonialism of of also you know work working or, or almost like looting you know local cultures in order to go to a big institutional museum, you know we we see this in the modern day and the way that the writers of Heaven's Vault handled this was really adept um, and and complex, and so you know we can talk first about Alia as a researcher. You know she's she's from she's she's. She's from a working class background on a working class planet, and she finds herself in a fancy university. and And you know, even the voice actress, um, you know, who who's who's talking as Alia, she's got a she's got a real you know kind of street accent in a way. And and I see this with friends of mine. I go to the University of York for my PhD, and and so you know, some of my friends you know are, are born and bred Yorkshire, and and but. But they they they've worked to like mask their accents on occasion, you know, um, in order to maybe be taken seriously, you know, at, at their universities or whatnot. But they kind of revert back to the local patois, you know, um, when they're when they're back in their element or when they're among friends. Um, and so we see that going on, you know, as far as the as the artifacts go. The first time I played, I didn't hand over anything that I found, mm. um, and and the curator got mad at me. Uh, he's like, you're holding on to stuff. You're holding out on us. And I'm like, dude, this is not your material. This is stuff that I'm, that I'm using for my research and this doesn't belong to IOX and you're not getting any. And, <laughs> and, and, and he got really angry and he kept on bugging me about it. Uh, and it, it, it felt to me like I was uh, fighting Indiana Jones in the last crusade. <laughs> belongs know, this belongs in a museum. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. But, but you, you know, you can play that, you can play it that way. You can say, no, no, I'm, I'm not giving this up you know, to this, to this, you know, biggest institution. You know, this belongs, this belongs back in Elberth or wherever. Um, and then you know, the second time I played through, I'm like, okay, I'll give some things over, you know, that I don't have a need for, or that don't, you know, have this kind of, of historical context that might be important to the Elberth and people or whatever, but that gets into other ethical questions about who am I to make that judgment. Um, and so I was like, wow, this is really hard. Um, and, and the peer pressure is, is difficult too. And, you know, even when you're on Elberth, you know, you can, you can talk to, to a guy who works in an antiquities shop, he's a dealer and, and you can make choices, trade or not trade, get information, Mm -hmm. you know, get other kinds of information, sell or not sell. And then you find out like, where, where's he getting this stuff and, and, and how, how is he, who is he selling to and, and where's the money come from? And it really reflects like what's happened, you know, where we see things going on in Syria, uh, and other places where people, 
you know, destitute people uh, and also unscrupulous people, you know, are robbing out their own heritage or selling out their own heritage so they can eat. Um, and, uh, you know, these, these rich, you know, Western buyers are, um, you know, or they're just, they're just taking the stuff and, you know, paying money for it. And, and that, that stuff is lost forever. Um, so you're playing this game like, wow, you know, this, this is really touching on, on what's happening now, but, but, uh, yeah, you can, you can play it one way or the other and, and see where that gets you. Um, so yeah, it's super complex when it deals with, with, you know, dealing with local artifacts and, and all of that. Yeah. Um, so in addition to knowing a lot about traditional archaeology, you are also a pioneer in a new field called archaeogaming. Could you tell our listeners a bit more about that field and your work on it? Uh, sure. Um, you know, archaeogaming, as, as I see it, it's, it's in the most simplest terms, it's the archaeology in video games and the archaeology of video games. And then from there, it opens up this this you know this cosmos of of uh, associated research on. I like to, I like to think of this as, as like digital built environments or digital entertainment that is interactive in nature. Uh, I have colleagues also that are incorporating you know tabletop games, pen and paper games into this too, which is cool. And so I'm revising my definition, you know, kind of as as, as I talk to you now. Um, but but uh, you know, with with archaeogaming, it's like well well, how do we think about archaeology? How do we think about heritage uh, when we're playing through a game narrative? How do developers see us as archaeologists? you know, in interacting, you know, with the world. Uh, and so that's, that's part of it. This kind of historical reception, archaeological reception, you know, uh, questions of authenticity, you know, how real do you have to make a game in order to make it playable yet? And mm-hmm. also kind of true to history and true to the evidence. Um, you know, so that's, that's all part of it. And the thing that, that continues to bake my noodle and probably always will is, is, is taking a look at, at games as archaeological artifacts uh, in and of themselves and not just artifacts, mm-hmm. but treating, you know, games, you know, like archeological sites and also landscapes that contain a variety of archeological sites. And, and, you know, what does that mean for archeology, span you know, moving through the 21st and into the 22nd century about, you know, these, these synthetic worlds and digital spaces that we inhabit as people, you know, we spend time, we spend money here um, and we live here and we talk about this stuff and it becomes part of our material culture. And in a way, because, you know, these, these games exist, you know, you stream them on Steam, for example. I don't have a physical copy of the game. I can't. Um, you know, so it becomes, in a way, intangible heritage. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and, and so, you know, it's like, how do, we, how do we interact with that? How do we share these stories? How do we preserve uh, this kind of intangible heritage, you know, for the future? And, and, and should we? What does that mean? So, so there's all kinds of stuff going on with, with how we interact with, with uh, you know, with the digital you know, and, and you've just, done some yeah. you've done some field work uh, in this regard. You've, <laughs> you've been looking at games like No Man's Sky yeah. uh, and others. So could you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, you know, I, I've done I've done a couple of field projects so far. Um, you know, you mentioned at the top of the show that that um, you know I I was in 2014, and actually the the five year anniversary of the Atari excavation is tomorrow, April 26th. Oh wow! Uh, How timely! Five years. You know, we're we're still coming out with publications on it, um, little by little. Um, but yeah, it's been five years. I can't believe it. But yeah, we you know archaeologists and a film crew and the city of Alamogordo city workers all got together in the desert near White Sands to dig up cartridges that Atari buried in 1983. And so when I was thinking about archaeogaming, I never in my wildest dreams thought that that we would be doing actual dirt archaeology on 
uh, digital material culture, in this case, the tar cartridges, um, you know, hundreds of thousands buried in a landfill. So there was that. And on the other side, like on the complete opposite side of the spectrum, um, you know, I led a field project uh, in the video game No Man's Sky, which came out a couple of years ago, and I'm still working on that for my dissertation, um, where you have this uh, this human civilization, you know, of actual human flesh and blood players inhabiting a universe uh, that is the actual size of the universe, but it, <laughs> and 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 they've they've got this kind of commune, you know, of planets that they call the galactic hub. And and uh, one morning, everybody woke up, and Hello Games had done a software update. It reset the universe and it buried all of their stuff, and they and it changed the climates of their planets. And all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. It's a climate change event. It's a major disaster. How does this group deal with that? And what did they leave behind? You know, so we're looking at patterns of settlement. We're looking at patterns of abandonment. And we are looking at um, this migration of players from one place to the next. And how do they resettle? And what lessons did they learn? And what can we learn from them in this kind of catastrophe? And so, you know, as an archaeologist, especially one of the contemporary past, uh, this this was revelatory. I mean, I'm like, wow, this actually happened. We can use this as a model, um, and so so uh, the the data from that uh, is going to be uh, ingested into the archaeological data services archives at the University of York for all time. You know, so they'll have nice. all the media, all the data, and everything as the first kind of born digital civilization of human players uh, and the archaeology you know that went into understanding you know how they how they survived. Wow. Yeah, that wow. sounds great. <laughs> well, it sounds like there's so many opportunities to do that kind of work, especially with these kind of games similar to No Man's Sky, these persistent open world uh, online games where you have so many different people interacting yeah. at once and you know taking um, you know a role uh, not only uh, in the narrative but then also in the game world itself. Um, so that I mean. Sounds very promising. Sounds very interesting. Yeah, uh, it's been super interesting, and I can't wait to see what's coming next. Uh, but I also like to joke that with archaeo gaming, you know, we can do the archaeology of Windows Solitaire. Uh, you know, that is an archaeological artifact. You don't you don't think of it like that. You know, how do we live there? You know, where's the where's the you know where are the column drums? Um, but still, it's it's a manufactured space made by people for other people to use, yeah. and therefore yeah. is archaeological, at least in my yeah. mind. It, so. it absolutely makes sense to me. I mean, you think about um, many years into the future, hundreds of years into the future, what are the sites that, you know, future archaeologists, future historians are going to be looking at, you know, as we move into the digital realm, yeah. so many of those are going to be built digitally and yeah. they're going to exist digitally. Yeah. Um, you know, you think about how much the physical world is in many ways, especially with regards to social spaces, uh, is disappearing. So where do those social spaces go? They go into the digital realm. So um, you've definitely you you sold me on the idea. That's for sure. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, folks who are interested can also read uh, you know stuff by Colleen Morgan, uh, Matt Law, Stu Eve. You know, because because you know they were doing earlier work on you know things like Second Life and and uh, GeoCities, and and now like the whole MySpace thing. MySpace pretty much disappeared, and so. We've got uh, people at the Internet Archive who are rescuing, you know, what was there on MySpace, you know, to put out in the public domain. So there's a lot of work already being done. I'm, I'm happy to be a part of that uh, in some in some small way. 
Well, where can people go to learn more about Archeo Gaming uh, and your work on it? Sure. Um, they can go to the blog, archeogaming.com. Um, we have a Twitter, which is at Archeo Gaming. And then, you know, uh, you'd mentioned that uh, my book is out. So, yeah, uh, 2018 from Berghahn Books uh, is Archeo Gaming and Introduction to Archaeology in and of Video Games. And it's a, it's a pretty quick read. I hope people like it. Good. All right, Andrew, thank you so much for joining me on the show. Sure. Thanks for having me, Bob. All right, that does it for today's episode of History Respawn. Uh, if you're interested in our work and you want to support us, please check out our page on Patreon at www.patreon.com forward slash History Respawn. Until next time, goodbye. Goodbye.